Retailers have been at the center of data breach debates about PCI compliance, point-of-sale security, and the need for more regulatory scrutiny of overall retail security. In the wake of big-box retail breaches, such as Target and Home Depot, which got massive media attention in recent years, the retail and financial services industries have stepped up to address cybersecurity and cross-industry information sharing aimed at shoring up card security across the financial and retail verticals. Now, Brian Engel, executive director of the relatively newly formed Retail Cyber Intelligence Sharing Center, explains how the financial services and retail industries are working together to enhance card and point-of-sale security, and why over the course of the next 12 to 16 months, cross-industry information sharing will become increasingly important. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. So, Brian, before we jump into some of the specific questions about the Retail Cyber Intelligence Sharing Center, which basically is the Retail ISAC, can you just give our audience a little background about the organization and the role it plays in the retail space, as well as the number of merchant members you currently have on board? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Tracy. We uh, have been in existence from incorporation for almost two years now, but at the same time, have been gaining momentum operationally for around a year. And in that time, we've seen uh, tremendous growth. And that, to me, is extremely indicative of the retailers you know, seeing the need to come together, collaborate, share information, both you know, strategic and tactical in the terms of threat intelligence to help protect themselves and against cyber attacks. We've seen membership grow from in the early stages of 2015 until current state to closing in on 60 member organizations now. And we have, through the mechanisms that we communicate and share information, over 100 organizations and well over 400 individuals that on a daily basis are exchanging information with each other. Brian, how is the ISAC funded? Uh, we are absolutely funded by membership. So we have a membership fee structure that is uh, broken down across annual revenue for each retailer type. And those uh, annual revenues are built to uh, to make entry obtainable and achievable across the, you know small, medium, and then large sized uh, retailers. So all of our funding is from membership, and those membership fees include engagement with uh, the cybersecurity vendor community through uh, our associate membership program. And we feel it's really important to engage with those members because they are bringing significant solutions to the table and really help our membership build uh, strategic initiatives towards improving their cybersecurity programs. So Brian, how closely do you work with the FSISAC, the Financial Services Information Sharing and Analysis Center? Uh, extremely close, uh, you know, such that at our onset here, we have chosen to utilize some of the same technology and platform that the Financial Services ISAC utilizes. Last year, we entered into an agreement where we are using resources, analysts that, that help manage our operational capability that our uh, FSISAC employees purpose to us on a full-time basis, and our operations component, our ISAC function, is actually uh, located in the same building that the FSISAC is located in. So those analysts have very close proximity to the financial services ISAC. But beyond that, the structural aspect, we, we continually work towards ways that we can expand upon the type of information that we're sharing ISAC to ISAC and broadening that from a potential uh, area of cybersecurity intelligence to the types of things that feel might be very useful to uh, connect the financial services industry to the retailer in the area of fraud and the types of indications of fraud. A lot of that is early and in its onset, uh, you know, of course, but, but we do feel that there are 
things that we can do through the sharing mechanisms that we have to hopefully work towards a place where the, the indications abroad are elements that we can share. And that's ISAC to ISAC. But we also work very well in putting financial service institutions in touch and connect with our retailers when they have issues that they're evaluating around payment card component so they can you know, work deeper into uh, some of those observations. You know, we see that as an important aspect of what we can do in the sharing of information, but you know, a, a lot of work left to be done there, obviously. So Brian, what would you say are the top three to five priorities for your organization over the next 12 to 16 months? So for the RCISC as a support mechanism for the retailer community, at utmost for us is, is to really continue to build on membership up from, from that community, get that community engaged. Being a, an organization that you know just over a year old from an operational perspective, there's the elements of timing and budgetary factors and, and evolution and understanding of our capabilities that the retailers consider as they you know, elect to join. But I think one of the amazing signs from our growth is that those retailers you know, see the collaborative element uh, as a very, very important aspect of their ongoing growth. Beyond that, it's secondary to growth is being able to, to really provide the significant capabilities that those retail members are, are looking to implement within their programs. So we're seeing as our growth expands into large retailers and smaller retailers that the programs and the types of things that we're doing to enable and support their programs are adding additional elements. It's you know not all just wire speed threat indicators, but various different forums for uh, collaboration, best practice development, and then sharing and, and really finding those solutions that work. Following on to that, really important is that we're seeing that the, the retailers really are getting a, a clearer picture of risk to their organization is not just in the area of the payment card instrument and that transaction, although that's financially hitting home very hard, but that we're able to support information sharing around protecting information as it relates to their business and driving their business risk down. And so some of the things that we are focused on in 2016 will be a year where we continue to build up how to engage the ecosystem of the retailer into the sharing constructs that we're able to perform. So suppliers, distributors, the sort of transportation elements, all the way to the place of, yes, the financial services institutions that they're either issuing cards or providing the obvious back-end transactional relationship. Brian, do you think that information sharing will be more critical during this time? Absolutely. Information sharing is the way difficult problems get solved. Collaboration is essential. There's no one simple solution. And I think also when we look at you know, sort of cybersecurity and risk, there actually isn't a solution. We manage it to the best of our ability and within the tolerances that are established from you know, organizations and, and the consumers and the customers. So this is an ongoing adventure that we're all you know, taking part of. And, and through that type of collaboration is where those solutions come from. There's individual organizations will be very innovative in their approach, but the application of that innovation to really have significant impact has to happen in a collaborative environment. So I think that for any organization building capability and building an ability to really manage risk effectively, it's essential to start at the onset there in an environment where they can collaborate, share information. And quite frankly, if you just look at it, you know, find ways to do it quicker because others have been at the path before. And to do that at scale, not just a sort of within the Rolodex aspect of, of close proximity or you know, the, the, the others in your city. And also to be able to look outside of you know, your direct peer 
years into other industries. The retail industry has very broad business elements and it spans across a lot of different aspects and those start to bleed into many different types of industries. You consider, you know, the airline industry is is essentially a transaction, you know, it, it's a retail of a, a service of getting people from point A to point B and the things that they're threatened by and, and attacked by and the things that they do to improve their, their security and reduce their risk are things that we can collaborate with as well. Brian, I want to talk a little bit about an issue that's near and dear to most retailers' hearts, and that is the rollout of EMV. So now that EMV is, is in full swing in the U.S., there are some concerns there for merchants. I know, for instance, there have been recent reports that have suggested that chargebacks to merchants are up, especially for those merchants that are not EMV compliant. Full swing might be uh, just a bit of an overstatement in the fact that we definitely have the chip capability and the ability to read those chips. Uh, still at a chip and signature level, many of the cards issued are still in a chip and signature mode. You know, we'll see those next steps in our near future, but it's sometime in our future where uh, the PIN component of that will be enabled and, and that, you know, authentication of the cardholder you know, will be stepped up at another level. And, and as each of those things happens, the fraud criminal element is going to have to drive their capabilities elsewhere. We can certainly predict that uh, card not present online e-commerce types transactions will, uh, and platforms will be the next area of significant focus and all of those types of things play in, and I mentioned previously as well, that uh, you know retailers are very cognizant of those facts. Their attention is in that implementation of EMV and the types of things that that can improve, but also focusing on how to make sure that in their omni-channel presence and in their their, their e-commerce forms and through, uh, you know, sort of through about that, that transaction as it's rendered to their customers, whether it be loyalty programs or otherwise, are doing the types of things to evaluate risk and to put solutions in place to help uh, reduce that risk. So I think we're partway in the doorway uh, of EMV and the types of things that it will change and modify. I don't know that we're far enough along to see how uh, the, the, you know, that correlates to change, positive or negative, or where that uh, you know, sort of forcing function applies. But I think we can predict that we're far enough up that path when we have closer to 100% implementation and when we have the chip and pin enablement that we will have, you know, sort of force the attacker to uh, to go to, to other places. And, and I think it's really important that we consider that implementation of EMB doesn't uh, give us a sort of a sigh of relief. It just means that we have to be focused on a number of areas and it doesn't remove our focus from that point of sale transaction. So Brian, what steps is your organization taking to support retailers in their move to improve overall cybersecurity? How are you securing more funding, for instance, for awareness training as well as maybe technology investments? We, for this past year, have been highly focused on the enablement of sharing and the realization that sharing starts between people and then it evolves, uh, you know, as those people create the, the in-depth processes inside of their organization at various stages of incident response and, and otherwise, but also, you know, on the strategic side of this, uh, you know, using information sharing and collaboration as to formulating the best architecture and the best construction of how to implement certain technologies or, or leverage, uh, you know, certain technologies or cybersecurity technologies for, you know, for protection, detection, and, you know, and response. You know, we are looking at how to apply funding in the areas of supporting that information sharing and that trust building thing, you know, sort of in our priority scheme of growth here is to make sure that our growth of sharing volume is increasing. So we're doing that through face-to-face -face interactions, 
We hold numerous forums of uh, sort of roundtable discussion and strategic leadership as well as at an analyst level. We uh, very recently were in the Minneapolis area at a Target-hosted uh, what we called hunting expedition, uh, where we brought the analysts together there to talk very in-depth about how things that we have in places today are helping to share indicators and the types of things where indicators don't line up well into some of our technical capabilities so that we can help assist and uh, you know, kind of create the element where people get together and work through those details because you know, technology can't transmit all of the qualities of the types of uh, indication sharing that needs to occur. Also, we are building towards our inaugural summit, our, our first gathering of our entire membership and community of retailers and restaurants and that ecosystem that I previously spoke about where it's uh, you know sort of the top to bottom aspects of, of how the cybersecurity of the retailer is being performed in their business relationships. And so in, in, in April uh, when that event occurs on the 25th and the 26th in Chicago, you know, we, we see a potential there of really sort of igniting the environment to sharing at a, at a much higher degree. So we're applying our resources in the areas that are um, helping to build towards a, a more thorough exchange of information as well as a more quantitative, you know, a higher volume of, of, of sharing within our members that they are the source of the best intelligence that we can obtain. Brian, there's been a lot of finger pointing about security in the retail space with bankers suggesting that retailers need more regulatory oversight to ensure that they actually shore up security. What is the center's take on this perspective? So the retail community, I, you know, they, they see very clearly that, and I think it's indicative of the, you know, the creation of the RSIS, but at the same time, the types of things that are happening individually inside of each of the, the member organizations to continually build upon what they are accomplishing and capable of with cybersecurity. So the take might be that to think that there would be a regulation and that would draw a clear, distinct finish line and that we would see people cross that just ignores the fact that what we're dealing with here is not necessarily a problem to be solved, but again, a risk management proposition. I'm hesitant, and through any degree of discussion with our membership as it varies across large, medium, and small retailers, to see any kind of uh, one-size-fits-all approach for those types of organizations. And, and to be able to, at a, if you will, congressional level, define a standard of security that should be implemented across the board, it essentially ignores the factors of risk, and it ignores the factors of you know, smaller transactional volumes and where attackers focus attentions. And it also, I think, ignores uh, you know, the fact that these businesses operate, you know, some of which mom and pop and, and very small organizations, under very uh, significantly different financial uh, considerations than financial services institutions do. So, you know, to take an approach or to sort of, uh, you know, issue a regulatory compliance requirement framework is something that is likely not to result in what many would hope, uh, you know, would be a, you know, a solution to the problem and, and a removal of, of the possibility of, of breaches in our future. Uh, even the most capable organizations are under continual change, and that continual change, you know, creates a very multi-dimensional problem of tax surface and, and, and vulnerability and otherwise. But that said, as an industry, there is a strong desire to create, you know, a framework of management of risk within this area and to help illustrate how people are treating that risk. But the, the opposite approach of this of saying, you know, that here's a due diligence standard that if met will reduce the output 
or, or the indications of this type of fraud and, and breach of payment card information or other types of information is likely not to occur. We're not going to get to a place where uh, if everyone just did you know, all you know, 10,000 things that we would check those boxes and, and not see these attacks uh, be successful because there's you know, the wide variety of time and other factors that factor into being able to sustain that. But, but it is important that we do establish the, the critical functions that we need to have in place to do the best that, that we can to serve the, the consumer customer and you know, from our perspective at the RCISC, our members in supporting them in being able to reduce the risk to the tolerance levels that their organizations can sustain. Well, Brian, I'd like to thank you again for your time today. Again, we've just heard from Brian Engel of the Retail Cyber Intelligence Sharing Center. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.